You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. How do you figure out what to do and in what order? If you sometimes struggle to sort through all the different things you could be spending your time on, you definitely are not alone. This is something I hear so often in my work with yoga teachers. In today's episode, I'm going to share a framework that's been really helpful in helping me learn how to prioritize all the different things I could be doing. Having a clear sense of priorities reduces my experience of overwhelm and improves my confidence that I'm doing the right things to help me achieve my goals. That confidence boost supports my ability to show up fully for these tasks, and I end up doing better work than if I were questioning myself. Last week, I shared some strategies for organizing and optimizing your time and your schedule to support physical, mental health, your personal practice, and also your ability to do this better work. In that episode, I mentioned some skill sets that I personally didn't know I was missing as a yoga teacher until I started studying business with teachers who opened my mind to ways that I could organize my life to make space for the things I care about. In this episode, we're shifting the focus from time management to task management and specifically how to prioritize those tasks. Figuring out what to do in what order is a function of your frontal lobe. It's a part of the skill set that we call executive function which turns out to be one of the places that people with ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder struggle. I've talked a little bit about ADHD in past episodes, and I do plan to do a full episode about it in the near future. But for now, I'll say that I believe ADHD is not a disorder, even though it's in the name. (laughs) Instead, I really see it as a variation of normal human expression that has lots of benefits, And also some mismatches with what it takes to thrive in this modern goal-oriented capitalist culture. As a person with many of these ADHD tendencies, ordering and prioritizing specifically tasks has always been difficult for me. As my life got more and more complicated with age and increased responsibilities, and also I believe an increasingly complicated culture, I found myself spinning my wheels a lot. I would get stuck deciding what to do and end up getting nothing done because I couldn't decide what to do first. This did not make me feel very good about myself, and that sense of self-doubt actually exacerbated the pattern. I felt like I was stuck in this loop of indecision. To-do lists were helpful to some degree, but they could actually be anxiety producing, especially when they're pretty long without a clear framework for figuring out which tasks are more important than others. Most people will instinctively just try to accomplish tasks in the same order that they're written down, which sometimes works fine, but often leads to overwhelm, confusion, and inaction, and and that sense of getting to the end of the day feeling like you were so, so busy, but what did you actually get done? For the purposes of today's conversation, let's get on the same page about what I mean when I say tasks. When I say task, I'm referring to something that can be accomplished in one single sitting. So that might be one hour or two hours or three hours or five minutes 
But in theory, you can start and you can keep going until you're done. And this is different from a goal, which is made up of a series of tasks. Now, your current to-do list might have a mixture of tasks and goals in it. So if you ever write things down on your to-do list that you can't get done in a single setting, then you're mixing the two together. And I recommend that you separate them out. If you have a structure to work with goals separately from your tasks, then you can keep your to-do list more manageable and less overwhelming. And then use the information in today's episode, hopefully to eliminate even more items from that to-do list and learn how to put the ones that are left in an order that'll be really useful for you. Before we get really detailed about task prioritization, let's zoom out and look at the context for this work. That means your vision, your goals, and your values. When I do visioning work for my business, the place I like to begin is values because my values inform my vision and my goals and where I want to focus. Think of your vision as the most ambitious, audacious, and wide-reaching potential impact of your work. When I talk about my vision for the Yoga Teacher Resource, I'm thinking about a world where independent yoga teachers are valued, where they live their practice throughout each day and fulfill their highest potential to share the benefits of yoga with their own communities. Some of the values that informed this vision include integrity, compassion, and curiosity. So when I start a new project, the intention is for that project, every project, to contribute in some way to that bigger vision informed by those values. So for example, when I create a new online course, the first thing I think is, what are the skill sets yoga teachers need that would help them build sustainable businesses and spread the teachings of yoga in a way that's ethical and sustainable? Recently, I've been working on a course for yoga teachers called Focus and Flow, and it's about time management and organization, very related to everything in this episode. I'm excited about the course because it takes some of the skill sets that I've learned by studying business and makes them available for yoga teachers who don't necessarily think of their teaching as a business, or maybe are just starting out and aren't ready to jump into a big business course because they're still developing their teaching skills. Actually, I know that this course could benefit any human who feels their relationship to time management and organization isn't as supportive as it could be, because these are the skills I'm teaching my children, especially my adult daughter. And it brings me so much joy and hope to see her shoot past me in awareness and ability in this area at a much younger age. Because obviously that's what we all want as parents, right? Is for our, our children to surpass us and grow beyond us. However, since in my work, my audience is primarily yoga teachers, that's who I'm inviting to sign up for this course. And I hope that as a yoga teacher, it would feel good to know that the course was designed with yoga principles and yoga values front and center. So when you get clear on the big picture of your vision and your values, it's going to provide a sense of meaning and purpose to some of the more detailed and specific tasks and strategies that I'll share in this episode. So let's talk specifically about 
this framework I'm gonna share with you today. I didn't invent it. It's not a new framework by any means, and you may have even heard of it before. However, even if you have heard of it or maybe even used it before, chances are good that you haven't fully tapped into the potential for how you can apply it in your life. The framework I'm talking about is called the Eisenhower matrix or the urgent important matrix. If you can't immediately picture what I mean by matrix, think of a square divided by a horizontal line or x-axis and a vertical line or y-axis. You might be having some faint memories from math class because matrix is also a mathematical term related to the way that I'm using it, but not exactly the same. I'm using the term matrix to refer to a chart that is a visual representation of data. And you see these all the time in the news, in articles, especially when the data that you're trying to represent has two aspects, such as time and price. In this particular framework, each item is either urgent or non-urgent, and it's either important or not important. So urgency and importance are the two axes. And two times two is four, so you end up with four possible combinations displayed in the four quadrants. If the x-axis is imp importance and the y-axis is urgency, top left quadrant would include tasks that are urgent and important. Top right includes tasks that are important but not urgent. Bottom left is tasks that are urgent but not important. And in the bottom right are tasks that are neither urgent nor important. Before I get into more details about this framework, I want to talk about why it can make such a huge impact on your ability to decide what to do when or your task management. As humans, we are really very naturally driven by urgency. And if you happen to have some ADHD tendencies, that is going to be magnified big time. Think of the quality of procrastination that's a classic symptom of ADHD and it's basically putting off a task until it becomes urgent, and then all of a sudden being able to focus and do the task. We probably agree that most of the time, we are better off doing tasks early when there's still plenty of time, but many people get caught in the pattern of relying on urgency to motivate them to do tasks, especially tasks that are not as fun or interesting to them. The problem with this strategy is, first of all, some tasks you're just going to run out of time and not being able to do them well because another common human trait is overestimating how much we can get done in a specific amount of time. And other tasks never actually become urgent, although they may be very, very important. And some of those tasks are things that could be moving you in the direction of your vision and they might never end up happening if you're overly reliant on urgency to help you figure out what to do. Okay, let's go for some examples of different types of tasks that may fall into each of these quadrants because I think this will help the framework make more sense. It'll kind of paint a picture for you. But bear in mind that these examples are more designed to help you understand the framework, but not necessarily to define what you should see as urgent or important. While I think urgent generally has a more universal definition, importance is extremely subjective. So bear that in mind that you are in charge of what qualifies as important. So don't get tripped up with what I'm defining as important. Remember that in order for this framework to be useful for you, you have 
you have to be the one who defines importance. Quadrant one, remember it's urgent and important, will cover anything that's a true emergency, whether big or, or small. For example, if you break your leg, that is both urgent and important. You need to take care of it right away, and it's important for your health. It also includes items that used to be in the not urgent but important category, like planning a workshop that's happening next month or doing your taxes when it's January, that if you wait enough time, your workshop is tomorrow or it's April 14th, all of a sudden those tasks are now in the urgent and important quadrant. So as much as possible, we want to take care of things while they are not urgent and save our brain space and our mental energy for things that are true emergencies. But there's also certain items that will be in that category that aren't avoidable and you wouldn't want to avoid them. For example, when you show up to teach a class that you've been scheduled to teach, that is both urgent and important. You couldn't have taught it ahead of time. It's something essential and it's not something you want to avoid. What we do wanna avoid is just overloading the urgent and important category through procrastination. Moving to the right, the next quadrant is not urgent but important. This includes, like I mentioned earlier, planning your workshop that's happening next month or next week. It includes continuing education courses, maybe creating an outline for your own online course, anything that you believe is gonna make a significant impact on your life but doesn't have a natural deadline attached to it, or the deadline is quite far away. Moving back to the left and down, you have the urgent but not important quadrant. And these are things that do have a deadline, but ultimately aren't that important and aren't gonna make a huge significant impact on your life or your business. A great example of this is email. If you get an email from somebody asking you a question, there is a sense of urgency to respond for most of us. There's an expectation that we're going to get back to them within a certain amount of time. That's going to vary person by person, but a good rule of thumb is 24 hours. Most people do expect to be responded to via email within about 24 hours. So the urgent but not important quadrant is where a lot of other people's priorities live. Returning those emails, phone calls, texts, maybe writing letters of recommendation or somebody asking you for advice after class, right? You're leaving class and somebody says, hold on, can I ask you a question? It's urgent. They're right in front of you. And it might be important, but it might also be somebody who just wants somebody to talk to. The key here is these tasks in this quadrant are not important to you. They may be important to someone else, and because of your relationship and your desire to preserve it, that might add some importance. But what we're looking for here is the overall pattern. How much time are you spending in a given day, week, month, etc., responding to other people's priorities because of that sense of urgency and neglecting and not attending to some of the things that are really important to you? Here's an example you might be able to relate to. In a few months, I'm teaching a workshop on somebody else's platform, which I'm very happy to do, and I'm not getting compensated, I'm not getting paid, and it's also, I don't think, something that's gonna be a huge audience builder for me. Now, the person who is coordinating this workshop, I think, has learned a trick or two about how 
how much urgency is helpful for getting things done. And they emailed me saying that they wanted my outline, my bio, my headshot, and any relevant links in about a week's time. And while I totally appreciate that they like to work well in advance, it felt like an imposition for them to give me such a near deadline for something that was so far away. Like they were trying to add urgency to my plate. What I did in that situation is that I reached out and I said, I'm not going to be able to get all that to you by that specific deadline. Here is when I can get it to you. It was still a lot sooner than I would have done naturally, which was fine because I was able to look at my own schedule and see, okay, when do I have enough space to make this happen? When it comes to quadrant three, the keywords are boundaries and efficiency. First, set boundaries where you can. And second, try to do these things in the most efficient way possible. In last week's episode, I talked about the efficiency, the mental efficiency of time blocking. For example, if you get a lot of emails that require responses, it's much more efficient to block off time to answer a bunch at once rather than answering each one as it comes in. The reason for that is it takes your brain about 20 minutes to integrate into a new type of task. So if you're constantly switching tasks, not only are you wasting a lot of your brain power, but you're also probably not going to do as high quality of work for a lot of those types of tasks. Moving on to quadrant four, all the way over at the bottom right, you have tasks that are neither urgent nor important. Some examples might be social media browsing, reading novels, watching Netflix, or playing video games. It also includes things for your business like creating graphics on Canva or over planning your classes. It's important to recognize that there's nothing wrong with doing some of these not urgent and not important tasks. Many of them likely bring you joy or at least a sense of satisfaction. And there are certain things in this category that you can easily justify spending time on though, like creating pretty graphics on Canva or color coding your socks that feel like you're being productive. But if you pause and you check in and you really pay attention, you might notice that you can use them as a form of avoidance. The non-urgent but important work from the quadrant above is often uncomfortable. Things like reaching out to new studios or people that you might like to partner with. So we just want to be mindful about the role that these quadrant four tasks play in our lives. They're probably best placed after you do a bunch of quadrant one or two tasks, after you spend a significant amount of time doing things that are really important and might be pretty draining, then you can turn to these quadrant four tasks as sort of a brain break and a reward and this will actually add to your enjoyment of them because you won't have this feeling that you should really be doing something else. What I find to be so powerful about the urgent important matrix is that it's really useful for building awareness and helping you make more deliberate decisions. Why are you choosing to do the things you're doing? Are you spending time on things be just because there's a deadline attached, but they're not actually the things that would be moving you towards your vision? Do you find yourself 
gravitating towards those non-urgent, non-important tasks as a way of avoiding the discomfort that might happen when you deliberately spend more time in the non-urgent but important quadrant. If any of those sound familiar, welcome to the club. It's very human, very normal and understandable to fall into these patterns. And that is why this framework is useful for helping you recognize them. Once you're aware of these tendencies, then you can make better and more deliberate choices that will amplify the work that moves you towards your vision. Small shifts like this, small shifts in awareness make a big difference over time. You might be wondering, well, what does an ideal balance of these quadrants look like? And to a certain degree, that's just going to be personal. It's going to depend on your situation. If you have a very full teaching schedule, for example, you're going to spend a lot of time in quadrant one. But here's some general guidelines that will apply to most situations. We want fewer items to end up in urgent, important due to procrastination. This gives us more resources to focus on the things that unavoidably end there or are there in a positive way. Next, we want to spend more time in the not urgent but important category, meaning we want to do the things that are going to make a big impact in our lives and our business, even when there aren't external deadlines to push us towards them. For those tasks that have some urgency but ultimately aren't that important, we want to use some principles of delegating, automating, eliminating, and batching. Those are sort of my four go-tos for the urgent but not important category. I'll go into a lot of detail on all four of those inside my upcoming course, Focus and Flow. And if you want to make sure that you hear about registration when it opens, you can get on the wait list at teachingyoga.net slash focus dash and dash flow. Finally, for quadrant four, you want to eliminate any time spent in quadrant four that isn't good for your mental health and be mindful about the ways that you use these types of tasks and where they fit into your life. When I think of applying this framework to your life and your work, I think of two different approaches, a short-term task-oriented approach and a more ongoing awareness-oriented approach. For the first approach, you want to treat it more like a project. In last week's episode, I talked about the value of doing a time audit, which can also flow into being a task audit. If you track your time, you can make note of where you're spending your time, what you're doing, so that you develop categories and even specific tasks of what you tend to spend your time doing. Once you have that list of tasks, you can organize them into this four quadrant framework to get a sense of where you're starting out. What is the current balance of where you tend to spend your time? And remember, this is a subjective process, so there aren't right or wrong answers. What you're going to do is ask yourself, does this feel urgent to me? Does this feel important to me? Then once you've got your tasks distributed into these four quadrants, look for patterns. Are there urgent, important tasks that got there because of procrastination? Are there lots of not important but urgent tasks that are sprinkled throughout your day? Are you constantly putting out fires? How much time are you carving out for those non-urgent 
but important tasks? And how much time do you tend to spend on non-urgent, non-important tasks? This starts to be a mouthful after a while. You can use these patterns to make some small changes and consider especially which of these small changes would make the biggest impact in your business and your life. Could you save some of those pleasurable but less important tasks as a reward for doing uncomfortable, important tasks? Oh my gosh, if you take nothing else from this episode but that, that is an incredibly powerful strategy that you withhold the candy tasks from yourself until you are done with the uncomfortable things. Because when you do the uncomfortable things regularly, they become less uncomfortable. They become easier. You get better at them. And so this can be sort of a cascading effect of your capacity to show up. And doing this as more of a project in this way is something that you can do once or you can do it every once in a while, especially when there's significant changes to the way that you're working. For example, if you start or leave a job, then you might want to revisit the task audit. Then the second approach is that for ongoing awareness, you can just have this in the back of your mind to give you some insight when you notice that you feel stuck. Let that be a trigger to evaluate the task or the tasks that aren't getting done. And you can ask yourself, why am I struggling here? Is it because the task isn't urgent? Or is it that I actually don't believe it's important? If it is important but not urgent, how can you add urgency? And if it's not important, well, what could you do? What could you do to minimize your time investment or get some help or even set a boundary and bow out entirely? I hope you can see how useful this framework can be for helping you know and decide what to do and what to do first. If you want to go through the time audit and task inventory in a group and continue with the next steps of developing strategies, systems, and habits that create a container for creative flow, I hope you'll check out my upcoming online course, Focus and Flow. Go to teachingyoga.net slash focus dash and dash flow to get on the wait list if you are listening in real time or to check to see if registration is currently open. As always, the content strategies and information in this podcast are designed to support your personal practice and your teaching and hopefully ripple out to support your students and everyone that they come into contact with. So please use this information. I hope it's helpful for you. And I'm always interested to hear feedback on what really worked for you and what changes you were able to make. Thank you so very much for listening. And thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.